Well, good evening. Oh, come on, y'all sound like Ohio State fans. We're in church. Good evening. What a better place to be on a Sunday night than in church, and especially when Paul's not yelling at you. Get it right! We go back to 255. (laughs) It's just really an honor and a privilege to be here. I am okay. Um, I've just had an angina attack. You know it's pretty bad if you let JB take your shirt off in the parking lot, but... uh, Thank you for your prayers. It's been a good week. I know uh, uh, you, you know you're home with family when you don't show up for church because you're at another church and you're getting texts from Dale and Warren. Um, are you okay? Where are you? Why aren't you in church? Where are you at? They were checking up on me this morning, so I didn't sit back. I was preaching, and I promise I'm not dead in the trailer anywhere. I'm, I'm okay. But thank you guys so much for your prayers. It's been a, a good week. Um, we've really enjoyed our time here. I do take a offense to using the, the G word in reference to me, guest, because this is home. Uh, I've been coming to this church longer than I've been coming to most other churches I've been part of. Uh, this place has a special place for Tara and I. Uh, she's on her way. They texted me. She's somewhere on 85. She'll be here shortly. She went up with the women to the women of joy, so they'll be here. Um, I don't have acquaintances here. I have friends and I have family. Um, we really love coming. When Tara and I get some time off, this is where we actually like to come. And I don't know why, because you always put us to work. <laughs> I mean, last year we came to, I came to see he's alive. I, mean, I, I saw it one time, I think, and I was watching the girls more than I was watching the drama. And so I, I told him we were coming, and then about a day and a half later, I get a text from Dale, well, this happened, and on the list of characters or what it rostered, whatever you had, it had soldiers, Ron Black. I'm like, okay, well, I guess that's why I'm playing. I said, you know, I'm not getting in until like Thursday before the drama. This year, at least they asked. At least this time they asked. No, we, we really, this is where we come. This is home, one of our homes, and it's really just an honor and privilege to be here. Uh, give you just a little bit of update on the homes. Um, since we took over for Brother Neff about three years ago, I'm responsible for all seven homes, the office, and then uh, we spend 10 months out of the year on the road visiting churches. Right now we have seven homes, Costa Rica, Panama, Tombs, Mexico, India, Thailand, Philippines. And the Lord's been growing it. Uh, Finally, after about a 10-year search, we were able to locate about a half an acre of an old bean field in Mexico. And uh, uh, we now have a walled compound. We have a boys' home, girls' home, school in the middle, and a wall around it. And our kids can play outside without playing in the streets. It's a, a safe area, um, and we can increase our housing. We can take up to 25 boys and our girls and, and 20 boys. We're looking forward to the Lord filling that up. And then in the Philippines, we are growing like crazy. Uh, we now have 15 kids in the Philippines. We are filled to the max. Um, within the last year, they went from five kids to 15 kids. And... 
praise the Lord for him sending him. All the children are saved, um, made a profession. Uh, six of the older boys and girls went to church camp just uh, about a month ago. And uh, six of them surrendered to full-time ministry. The Lord's really working. Um, I do ask you to pray. That's our, our biggest need right now because we had enough for, um, for about 10 kids. So right now we're increasing the deficit. There's more going, going out than there is coming in. The Lord's been meeting needs and growing kids, and we're getting closer and closer. Then we can start taking in more boys and girls. Um, things have been going well. Um, we finally got to get down to Costa Rica after about two years. So I got to bring back some Costa Rica coffee. Holly was very happy to hear that. Hey. Phil was too. Um, we made Phil pay, though. Um, we, we, uh, we can't get into India, and we can't get in, into Thailand or the Philippines right now, just with all the COVID restrictions. So it's been a little bit since I've seen my kids. Um, I pray for Tara and I. We leave Tuesday. We finally escaped. Uh, well, we're finally hitting the road again. We've been in LaGrange for six weeks. This is the longest Tara and I will be in one spot this year. Uh, we'll be in Mount Airy, North Carolina for about 10 days, uh, Cincinnati for about 10 days, uh, Indiana for about two weeks. I finally get to go to my home church after about a year and a half. Um, so we'll be on the road quite a bit. We're praying that the Lord's going to let us come back here for about a month in August to make some coin folder calls. i got to find a place between Delaware and Mississippi, and you know, LaGrange is right there. What a shame. So hope we can get to come back. But that's what's going on with us uh, and the homes. Just continue to pray. Really do want to thank you for all the support over the years. I tell people I have a lot of acquaintances. Acquaintances, people you know, but I have very few friends because it takes a lot, it takes a time and relationship uh, to have friends, but I have friends here. And I'm going to thank you for that. It really means a lot. Um, JB, can I share what happened last time when we were down in Costa Rica? I'm going to do it anyway, so just say yes. Um, when I describe a friend, a friend will help you get through a problem and then make fun of you. And that's what we have here. JB, they came down. We took them down to Panama. And they took me zip. They went zip lining, and I went with them. And I hate zip. I hate heights, okay? God made me this tall, so I don't have to climb a ladder. It's just the way it is. Besides, when I got on the zip line, I'd hit the bottom on the thing <laughs> as we were going off. And we got to this one part, and it was a rope bridge, just boards and the thing. And all these guys are just, they're running across, all the guys and the girls. They're just running across it. I mean, Rich Pike's tiptoeing, having more fun, hanging on things, warns, woo! I'm just standing back because I know I'm going to have issues. So I let JB go first, and I got about halfway, and I froze. I can't do this. I'm like, JB! You go, okay. Him and this five foot one, 103 pound girl came and got me. That's a friend. And that's what we have here. I want to bring a message today. Um, it's in Second uh, Chronicles chapter seven, verse fourteen. If you want to start finding your way there, Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse fourteen. Make sure I got it right. I did. Um, the title of the message is "What Does the World Need from Born Again Believers?" During COVID, Tara and I were up in Ohio at my parents' house, 
And I had to get, I just had to get away one day. I just had to escape. I just needed a little alone time. I needed to make some phone calls. So I went and got in the truck and I started it up and Tara had drove it last and she left the radio on. Now most of you now know that I am not very musically inclined. You know that I don't sing well. I, I, uh, I'm in the prison quartet, always behind a few bars looking for the right key and never finding it. It is cruel and unusual punishment. And I don't really, I tune out music. And she had it on, it was some Christian station, and I went to hit off. Before I could do that, I heard them say, in light of current events, what does the world need from born-again believers? Well, that perked my ear up. So I was listening, and people were calling in with answers. Like one guy called in, and they said, they need the gospel. I'm like, okay. And somebody else called in. They, they, need, um, they need love. Okay, okay. They need healing. And one lady called in. What the world needs is we just need to get back together and have a big old hug. And I'm like, you know, those are Sunday school answers. Now, in a few years, I'll actually be saved longer than I've been lost. And I knew, you know, I had been a Baptist, a Catholic, didn't go to church, and then I joined the Presbyterian Church so we could get married for free, and then I got saved. So I've been to a lot of religion classes and things, and really in life, most Sunday school answers, if you know, it's either God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, or Bible. Sometimes someone in church is a wild card, but you can get 90% of the answers, right? So I'm, you know, I'm thinking about it. Does the world need the gospel? Absolutely. Have without a doubt. Does the world need love? Yes, it needs to know what true love is. What the world calls love isn't love, it's lust. They need to know what a godly love is, unconditional love. Does the world need healing? Absolutely. Does it need a hug? I think some people just need a hug across the back of their head. But as I sat there and I was listening to it, the Lord brought this verse to mind. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked way, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. You see, it's not up to the world, politician, doctors, or lawyers to fix things. It's not up to activists or protest. You see, the answer is not found in any state house. It's found in the church house. What the world needs is the only answer to a sin-filled world. It needs God, and it needs the gospel. And that's, and I, I did end up calling in. I did get through, and we had a little bit of a church session on it. They, they started making fun of me, called it this Ron from Talmud show. Um, but I want to look at this. You know, this world is gripped by fear like it's never been before. And if we're here as a child of God, the answer to what the world leads lies inside of us. So let's have a word of prayer and we'll look into this. Dear Heavenly Gracious Father, I thank you so much for this church. Thank you for the friends and family that I have here. Thank you for all that this church has done, not just for our ministry, but for Tara and I. 
Thank you for how good you've been to us. Lord, I do pray that as we look over the next, over this passage for the next few minutes, that you'll help all of us block out the things of this world. Just focus on your word today. And Lord, I do ask you that you help me to bring your message tonight. Help me to get out of your way. Just guide my mouth and my eye, my mouth and my mind this evening. Lord, I pray most of all, there's someone here that's never trusted you as the Lord and Savior. Maybe somebody that's just played church. Today will be the day that they change things. Just bless their time in the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. See, this passage starts out, says, if my people. Now, how do you become one of God's people? You become one of God's children by realizing you're a sinner and putting your faith and trust in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection as payment for your sin. It's not about church attendance. If that was the case, I would have been saved a whole lot long, a lot long ago. Religion doesn't send anybody to heaven. A relationship does. That's one of the main things that we do teach at the Lighthouse is how to have a relationship with God through Christ, not a religion. You see, become one of God's children by being born again. By putting your faith and trust in the death, burial, and resurrection as payment for your sin. That's the gospel. That's how you become one of God's children. That's how you become part of the solution, not part of the problem. So if you're here today and you've done that, this message is for you. You see, the world's looking to you. The world, your family is looking for you to do four simple things. You see, God's ready to heal this world and bring revival. God's willing and able, but He needs us to do some things. The first thing God needs us to do is to be humble. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. Now, what does it mean to be humble? It's, it's not an Eeyore kind of a person, you know what I mean? You know who Eeyore is off when it be, Oh, bother, my tail fell off. It's so terrible. No, that's not what humble is. Humble, humble is being willing to uh, give control to someone else. When we were in Mississippi, um, somebody gave us some junk for Jesus horses. They, they told us these horses were broke. They were great. They were, you know, they were kid friendly. I don't know what they were thinking or what else, but these horses were nuts. They needed a Prozac. And there was one horse that was a lot like me. His name's Jack. And Jack was a big fella. He was lazy and liked to eat. Like I said, he's like me. And Jack's withers came up to my shoulder. And Jack would push me around, push everybody around. And I, had, I was working him in the round pen because that's what JB told me to do. So I was in there with him, and, and Jack just wouldn't listen. So I looked at Tara, and I said, get the saddle. We're humbling him. So I put the saddle on, lashed up one of his foot, and I put the rope across, and I pulled. And horses can take pressure forward and back, but they can't take side pressure. And I laid him down. And I sat on the back of his neck, and I just started loving on him, petting him. Because a horse gets in that position, they're dead. You know, in a while, they're not going to make out. That's a very bad position for a horse. And I'm just, he tried to stand up, and, and, and I pulled. Of course, when I did this, there's 14 teenage girls standing around the round pen with me. You're killing the horse! You're killing him! I'm like, no, I'm not. It's okay. And then all of a sudden, Jack just went, 
I told you you were killing him. I'm like, he's okay. So I took the rope off and and I went over because in that big sigh, he said, I give up. I'm done. I'm done fighting. Do what you need to do. So I walked over and I pulled on that horse. You know what that stupid horse did? He laid there. And then I'm like, oh, Lord, please don't let me have killed this horse. If I hurt this horse, I'm done. You might as well just take us out of the ministry. And I pulled again and he stood up. And the horse that had laid down was different than the horse that had come up. Because he had, he had humbled himself. He had been humble. He had given me control of, of his actions, of his feet. And as I did that, I started crying. Because I think about all the times God had to do that with me. Stick me in a place when it's just me and him. He had to tie me up with things of life. To get me in a place where I just say, here my Lord, send me. See, before God can do anything else, we have to be willing to be used by God. We've got to be willing to be humble, to yield our life to God. I don't know about you, maybe you're all more spiritually, but there's sometimes I tell God my better idea. And it's just, instead of just saying, yes, my Lord. Sometimes I, I try telling God my idea instead of following his plan. You see, before we can ever be a help, we've got to be humble. The second thing we need to do is we need to pray. The Bible says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. Prayer is our lost tool. How many times have you ever said, well, there's nothing else to do, we might as well pray. We've got to remember, prayer is our most powerful weapon. When we got saved, saved, we got a key to the throne room of God. And according to Hebrews chapter 4, it says in verse 16, let us therefore come boldly Onto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy, find grace to help in a time of need. We don't have to wait for a certain time, a certain place, or a certain person to go up. Hey, Dad, I'm home. Hey, Dad, I'm here. Hey, Dad, I need to talk to you. Prayer needs to be our default go-to thing. But it's something that we don't often use. I carry a set of keys with me, and I've been all around the world, and it has my most favorite key. It's a key to my parents' house in Talmadge, Ohio. It's not a key I don't get to use very often, but in that, with that key, I never have ever knocked on that door. I just walk in and say, hey, Mom and Dad, I'm, I'm home. And think about that. We can do that with the God of the universe. We can do that anytime, any place. It doesn't even have to be purdy. Peter's prayer when he was drowning sure wasn't as long, was it? It was, Lord, help! And he was right there. We need to be people of prayer. But not a God is great, God is good, thank you for our food, amen. But an open and honest two-way conversation with God. 
sitting down and talking face to face about what's going on. That's the type of prayer the world needs us to do. We've got to remember, as it says in James 5.16, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Guys, we need to start praying. We need to start being on our face before God. The healing of this land isn't going to come from loud public hearings. It's not going to come from any government building. But healing for this world and this land is going to come from the quiet, broken prayers from the born-again believer's prayer closet. Listen to that again. The healing of our land will not come from loud public hearings held in government buildings, but it will come through the quiet, broken prayers of a born-again believer's prayer closet. There's more that can get done when Christians pray. We need to get back praying. See, the world needs Christians to humble themselves and they need us to pray. They need us to do the third thing. They need us to seek God. The Bible says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Now, how do we seek after God? We seek after God by getting in the Word. We need to seek after God in everything we do. I'll tell you, long has the Bible just been a book we keep on the table or on the shelf. We need to make the Scriptures, the Word of God, the center of our daily life and the center of our family too. Dads, we need to start doing family devotions. You need to be reading with your wife and with your kids. You need to be sharing the Scriptures, even if it's just a verse. Kids today don't know the basic biblical stories. We have a very biblically illiterate society. They don't know about David and Goliath. They don't know about Moses. They don't know about Noah. They don't know about David and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They don't know about Joseph. Because we're not sharing it with them. We need to be people of the book. Why? Because this book has all the answers. It has all the answers because it tells us about who the answer is. Jesus Christ. We need to not just read it, but we also need to apply it. I want you to imagine for just a moment that I give you a glass. And it's a glass full of water. And I tell you that this glass will never go empty. It will always have, a, have water. If you take a sip, it'll fill back up. It'll do that forever and ever. As long as you do one thing, you never swallow. You can take a sip, rinse out your mouth, and spit it out. But you can never swallow it down. You know what's going to happen to you after a little bit? You're going to die of dehydration. Because your body needs to absorb the water so that it can be used. 
And it's the same thing with the Word of God. If we all we do is read and read and read and never apply, we're just a Pharisee. We need to be people. 2 Timothy 2.15 Study to show thyself approved under God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Satan in this world uses this Bible to justify sin and call it a lifestyle. This world does not know how to properly handle the word of God. We need to learn. We need to stop saying we're going to try. We need to start doing. The world needs us to do it. Society is going to tell you that this world, that the word of God is irrelevant and outdated. It's not. It's timeless and eternal. We need to be people of the Bible. We need to read, study, and apply. God asks us to. The world needs Christians to be humble, to pray, to seek. But the world needs Christians to repent. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way. Just like the prodigal son, we must turn from the pig pen and turn back to the father. We need to start being different because we are different. I mentioned earlier that this world is gripped with fear. Fear is the opposite side of the coin of faith. Your fear always begins where your faith ends. Every time you see the disciples afraid in the Bible, what did he say? Oh, ye of little faith. We need to start living a life of faith. We need to step out and be different because we are different. The day the Lord saved me, I became a new creature. I always kid with Tara that her first husband, man, he was pretty wicked. My first wife wasn't that bad, good either, but uh, I got better on the second one. Now, the Bible says we become a new creature. All things are passed away, right? All things are new. Well, we need to start doing that. We had one girl that uh, there was um, a passage, I can't remember what is, what it, uh, where it's at, but it, it said, keep, keep, them, keep yourself unspotted from the world. You know, don't let the, the sink of sin get on you. you know, don't let this world get on you. I try to walk a clean life. And I asked the girls what the, they thought that meant. And we had one girl, and you know, that was one of the girls that you, you don't want to call on because you never know what's going to come out. And I'm like, anybody else? For the old people, horse shack. Ooh, ooh, me, Mr. Cotta, me, Mr. Cotta. Yeah. And I looked at it and I said, go ahead. Go ahead. What, what, what is it? That means you, you hide behind the tree so the police don't see you. They don't spot you. I'm like, no. But you know, I think sometimes we as Christians think, we're undercover. We're 007. 
We're not supposed to be seen. But that's not the case. You know, we are the light of this world. Matthew tells us, let your light so shine before God, before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. You know, you are a lighthouse wherever you go, and people know. You know, if you've seen my truck, it's, kind of, it's not hard to spot my truck. It says, lighthouse children's home, rescuing storm-tossed lives with a phone. I got to be careful how I drive. I was in California. We were stuck in traffic, and I'm going, and this little economic, co-friendly, coexist little car is just coming over. And he's on the phone. He's just coming over. We got about six inches from my front wheel. I honked. I'm like, dude, whatever. Just get in. It's okay. And of course, we're stuck in traffic. The next 30 minutes. I'm like, dude. So I passed him. Never thought a thing about it. Well, when your website's on your car and the phone number's on your car, I got an email. The driving ability of one of your people. Ah, this date and time, and he cut me off and, and forced me off the road, and Jesus just wouldn't drive that way. And attached to the email is a picture of my truck. And of course, the only people who got it was me and Brother Neff. So I got a phone call. You know, at first I got, I was a little upset. But then the Lord started changing something in my heart because on the back of it, it says, rescuing storm-tossed lives for Christ. That's what's on the bumper, tailgate of my truck. And it got me thinking, what if he's a storm-tossed life? What if he needed God that day? What if he needed somebody to show him the love of God that day? You don't have to drive with a sign on your car to people know who you are. Your friends, your family, your co-workers know who you belong to. And they're looking for you. We need to live a life that points others to Christ. You see, what does the world need? It needs Christians to be humble to pray, to seek after God, and to repent. Why? Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal the land. You see, God's waiting. God's waiting for you and God's waiting for me. God's ready to bring revival. God's ready to bring change. But He's waiting on us to do our part. When will that change? I don't know. It seems like we've been praying for revival since I got saved. We've been praying and praying. It seems like everybody's praying for revival. 
I believe God. We need to stop praying and start having. You see, this verse tells us when will revival come in your life? When will it come in your family? When will it come in your home and in your street and in the state and in this city and county and state? And it's found in the very first word of that passage. If. If. God's ready. God's waiting. Are we going to start being part of the solution? I wonder what would happen if this church went after one person. One lost soul. If this church made one person to see one person come to the Lord and this whole church went after them. You think it would be long before they got saved? I don't think it'd be too long. I mean, earnestly praying, planting seeds, watering, growing that relationship. That person would be different. Because I've seen that church do that for me over the last 17 years. I've seen that church pray for us, check up on us. Help us, grow us, educate us. I know what it can do. Parents, I wonder what would happen in your children's life if you sought God each and every day with them, if you prayed with them. What would happen to maybe a street, a city? a county, a nation, if God's people started humbling themselves and praying and seeking God and living a life that honors Him. I believe revival would happen. I talked to my doctor this week and I told him, I said, I've been trying to lose some weight and exercise more. And uh, he goes, you ain't trying. I like my doctor. <laughs> he goes, if you were trying, you'd succeed. We'll get what we're after. We'll get what we set our sights on. If it's something we want to do, we'll figure out a way to do it. I believe this church decided today no more. No more revival will start. It'll start tonight. Why? Because God brings the revival. We just have to be part of it. But he stayed with their head bowed and their eyes closed for just a moment. If you're here today, you're here tonight. And you know the Lord is your Savior, that you put your faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone. That you're sure if you died right now, you'd go to heaven, slip up your hand. Amen. Hands up all over. You put your hand down. 
What's stopping you from having revival? What's stopping you? What excuse is stopping you from getting out of God's way? I'm here to tell you this world, the lost, will beg that you start doing what God has called you to do. Humbling yourself. Yielding your life to God. Praying and seeking Him so revival can come. If you're here today, I want to invite you to find a place around this altar and just talk to God. Start with praying. Yield your life to God, full control to Him so that revival can come. Grab your spouse. Grab your children. And let's start today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly and Gracious Father, thank you so much for your word, the truth it contains. Lord, I pray you'd help us get out of your way to do what you've called us to do is just to be obedient to you and to your word Lord I pray today that salvation would start revival would start here and here now pray just bless in this time of invitation in the name of Christ I pray Amen prayer works folks if you know someone who's lost it's on the way to hell. Start praying for them tonight and then go find them. The altars are open.
you're here tonight and you're lost, there's room for you at the cross. It's not too late for you to give control of your life to God. Don't be religious. Have a relationship with God. you this week to go be that beacon and hope and if you're watching online or here and you're lost just put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ his death, burial, and resurrection I promise you you'll never forget it